We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Our presenting sponsor is Circle Rock Menswear. You can find everything they have to offer there at CircleRock.com. Charlie Johnson in studio today with me. It's Friday, not Thursday. We couldn't record yesterday because we we're both at the Timberwolves game. They had one of their rare. It's rare, right, that they play on Thursday. It's Thursday felt like it lately. Well, I mean, I feel like in the in general in yeah. the NBA, it's like Wednesday is a well. It's like Thursdays are maybe three or four games, and two of them are the TNT games, and the mm-hmm. Wolves are never on the TNT games. <laughs> so then they only have that. But the Wolves actually played on Thursdays the past two Thursdays, which makes recording a show complicated. But we're here on Friday um, to record this podcast, and Cat obviously didn't play in that game again last night. So I just felt that this would be. Um, I, I just get so many questions all the time about cat stuff. Well, you're the worst. I am the worst. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. There, there's a lot of different questions. Obviously, there's there's questions from, you know, why he's been out so long to why we don't really know what is wrong to, you know, how and who he will fit back into the the lineup with. So a lot of different cat questions we'll, we'll get to today because I think that's prescient. Uh, but first, last night was awesome. Um, yeah. they, they played best basketball game they played in a long time. I think the the disclaimer to throw out in front of that is it was the fifth game, fifth game of a five-game road trip for the Blazers, and they played like it, but still. There's always some. I mean, no, I, always, I was, but there's almost always an excuse to point to if somebody lays an egg. Exactly. I, I mean, I was, yeah, I, I, I thought the, they would, were going to lose that game. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be very difficult for them to be able to contain Lillard and McCollum and even Carmelo Anthony. That's just kind of been a problem for this Wolves team, but they, they, they handled it. What, is there anything that specifically popped to you in that game players or just in general? 
Uh, Robert Covington popped. I mean, he was so, so impactful on the defensive end. Yeah. And I think that rubbed off on Josh Okogie. It felt like a bit of a, like an, another step back in the right direction for yep. him. And then Jarrett Culver as well. I think the three of them on the defensive end really stuck out to me. And it was that stretch from the second quarter. Was second, it like yeah. 30 to 13? Or something like that. That was the score. Well, I think they gave up like 12. Yeah. And then in the first literally, you know, a minute or 90 seconds of the third quarter, they hit a couple threes and then they were all of a sudden up 20. And then Portland was just kind of folded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I Covington was the, pretty much all my notes are are Covington related. It's, it's weird. You look at the box score and it's 15 points and four rebounds in 24 minutes. And that just... Uh, I, when you're a defensive player, that happens sometimes where your yeah. box score just does not. What's wrong with 15 points? That's well, a, I don't know. That's it's a Robert just that Covington you, night. That he, Robert Covington played a really, really good basketball game. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about good box scores, 15 and four is not a I, good box Yeah, score. you're right. You're right. But, I mean, that's why you got to dig a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he led the team in plus minus, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily the most advanced stat. But when they're when they're on the floor, he the Wolves outscored Portland by 20. And I, it's just been – it's what he's been doing lately. And over over the last six games, the the Wolves have outscored opponents by 65 points with, with Covington on the floor. So this wasn't, you know, an, an isolated incident. He's been his last six game stat line is 15.7 boards, two steals, and a block. But really it's the it's in the the advanced numbers, the offensive rating, the defensive rating where he pops. They've they've been plus sixteen point five with wow. with him on the floor. The offensive rating is 113.3, defensive rating 96.8, which we kind of know what the Wolves have been elite at defense over the past month. But for most of the players or for the team as a whole, the offensive rating has been bad. Mm-hmm. Covington's the one where the off- when he's been on the floor, the offense has both been good and the defense has been elite. So he's, uh, I mean, just contextually, if you're not familiar with what those numbers are, like 113, so he's 113.3. 113.5 is what Houston's offensive rating is this year. They're number two in offense. And then Milwaukee is 102.0, number one in defensive rating, and the Wolves have been 96.8 with him on there. So it's just, it's truly this six games when Robert Covington has been on the floor, the Timberwolves have been playing excellent basketball. It's really interesting to me that um, over this stretch, the offense has still been pretty potent with Robert Covington on the floor. Because it is. It is the last six. I think we should. Cause, okay. Because if you look at the twelve, like all of the cat time. Yeah. So cats missed twelve games now. The first six, the offense was just putrid. Yeah. With Covington on or off, but, but it's still been bad with him off over the last six. Is that, I mean, to the extent that it has been, it's interesting because. It's it just paints the picture of how important his three point shooting is, especially yep. because nobody else can even I mean, besides Carl Anthony Towns, obviously, nobody else can even compete with it. So I I tweeted out something today. I got I got mad reading I just spent a lot of time today, you know, Wolves off day, no practice. Just I tried to read up on what national people had been, you know, writing about the Wolves. And one thing that really just stuck out to me that made me mad was I saw in multiple places people talking about, you know, Robert Covington's and all these these fake trade articles and how he's interesting and numerous places, national writers saying how his three point shot has fallen off this year because he's only, he's down from like 39% career down to 35 and his three point. I'm like, that is just, if you're watching these games so clearly not with the cases, he takes 
such this season in like the aggregate, he's taken so many, such a high percentage of his shots have been difficult threes. So I was putting together a tweet to be like, this, this isn't true. So I went back and watched his like, I, I don't know how many games it was, five or six games of the threes. Mm-hmm. And they, they haven't been as hard. Oh, or really? Yeah, like just I mean, just watching all of them. You, you know what I'm talking about? Those, oh, like, totally. Those Covington where he's like at 29 feet, he catches, mm-hmm. he pumps, the guy gets up into him, then he like jumps over them to take a three. Really difficult threes. And that's why his three-point percentage is down more this season. The, the I mean, down. we should clarify, it's at, it's, it's at 34.8%, basically 35% on the dot, which mm-hmm. last year his three-point shooting percentage was... 37.8% the year before that, 369 the year before, 33.3. It's not like anywhere out of any sort of range of expected outcomes. Another reason that article is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and and his his clip is up. I mean, he's shooting a, a whole extra three per 36 minutes than he was last season. I guess my, my point is just if you've been watching them, you would understand that, that the three-point effectiveness is down because of the difficulty of the shots he's taken. But to kind of counteract that, my watching back these last his shots from the last six games they've been way cleaner they've the wolves been actually running a lot of actions to kind of like like elevator action to like get him up above the break open setting some screens some really interesting stuff in these last two games with wiggins and jang on the floor where it's kind of it looks like a a jang wiggins two-man game but then covington kind of inserts himself into the play and ends up like popping out for a three himself and I just started thinking about it. I'm like, these are all actually really good looks for Robert Covington. Yeah. And then I started thinking about, what if that's Carl Anthony Towns in that action? Mm. That's a dynamic – I mean, how, how do you defend that? Yeah. If it's happening up at the top of the key, you can't bring a fourth no, guy over to defend that. No, you just probably let Robert Covington shoot it. Which – which and well, apparently he's only a thirty-five percent three-point shooter. But so, to so your point that he's, <laughs> to your point that he's had more open looks lately. I mean, literally the last six games: three of six from three, one of two from three, four of eleven from three, four of ten, four of seven, two of six. Those are all. I mean, that's got to be just about fifty percent over mm-hmm. those last six games. So it's yeah, a, a cleaner looks is going to lead to a, a cleaner percentage for him. I just think, I mean, he's. <laughs> I understand where the articles are getting written about people saying. They should target Robert Covington, obviously. He's an elite 3 and D player. I think we can set to rest a lot of the concerns about his injury past last season. Uh, he's he's probably he's played more minutes than Wiggins and Towns this year, for sure. Yeah, I would think. He, he probably leads the team. Um, and, and he's just been great. So the team should target him. He's cheap. It does make sense that the Lakers would – they can only, like, put together a package for a guy worth – $11 million and Covington makes 11.9 or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. It doesn't make sense for the Wolves to just say, oh, yeah, we'll take DeMarcus Cousins and uh, <laughs> Kuzma. Like, yeah. no way. But I get why I get why he's been targeted. It's because he's been... That was always going to happen. It was always going to happen. Yeah. Yes. I, so A-plus to Covington um, of late. I thought Wiggins showed us some yeah. more last night for sure. 23 points, 8 assists. He also only played 26 minutes. It was pretty, like one through 10 even minutes for everyone who was in the rotation. So it was, they, they were a good assist too. It wasn't all driving kick out to the perimeter yep. stuff. He was finding people cutting to the basket. It was, it was it, nice. It's good to see him back kind of in that offensive uh, fulcrum, you know, sort of role Yeah. in this team. I mean, that's just, that's just what makes him special. If you think he's just going to be, if you just ask him to play defense or just to be a spot up shooter, He's not, you know, it's just, that's, yeah. 
He's not a very good shooter. I mean, I shouldn't say that. He's an okay shooter. He's yeah. He's yeah. just not. He's much more special in a creation role. What it, if he can continue to show what he's he shown can. this year? Right. It's yeah. just that's that's how he's matched. Exactly. So I think those two. It's it's exciting to see. I mean, they're the second and third best players um, on this team, and then to if and when you know, Cat gets back. There, there's ample reason to be. Um, I think excited about a run that this team can go on. Yeah. Uh, I, we don't know how it's going to fit together. It, it might not work. It, it might be wonky um, coming back together, but we'll talk about it kind of at the end as we normally do just the schedule and where mm-hmm. they sit in the standings. But I'm thinking about after that place, I went into that Blazers game thinking Portland's going to get the eighth seed in the West. And if I'm being reactive to that game and how crappy Portland looked and just the lack of really anything they have behind McCollum, Lillard, and, like, Mellow on a good night, it's... I mean, I thought you made a good point. We were talking during the game, and you were like, everybody was, you know, wondering about what, you know, what might be the Achilles, the Blazers' Achilles heel heading into this season. And basically, your response was that everybody who's not Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Ken Bazemore is... An airhead. <laughs> I said dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they play dumb. Yeah. No. I, and I, I thought it was a, a smart point. It, it, I'm smart. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, like Whiteside can be dynamic. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, in the handful of games I've watched Portland play. I mean, he has been an absolute eraser in the rim, and he, he can be Gobert-ish, but he's not disciplined. He's not smart like Gobert is. And then he get, it gets everything gets pulled out of whack, and then you start bringing in players like Mario Hazonia and. Or even Trent, Gary Trent. Trent. You know, it's just it's just too thin. Hassan Whiteside picked up the basketball after he missed like a bunny last night. And he I I think this is what he said. It could have been something similar, but what I saw was him look at the basketball like really intently and go, I'm gonna eat you. I'm gonna eat you. Dumb. <laughs> just this is pretty hilarious. Dumb. Just dumb. Um so yeah, I thought that I thought that was a good win. And it's the schedule gets a little bit tougher, you know, coming up. So I think good momentum to lead into this next run of games that could have added momentum if if Carl Anthony Towns does come back here on Saturday or Monday mm-hmm. or Wednesday or well, Friday. To the point about the schedule, I think something that's on my mind, and this is obviously like preemptive, but I am concerned that the Timberwolves, their next six games are at the Rockets against the Thunder against the Pacers, at the Pacers, against the Raptors, at the Nuggets. I mean, and then they go Bulls, Rockets, Thunder. I mean, it's a tough stretch here, and I'm already anxious that they're going to play worse and it's going to coincide with Carl Anthony Towns' return, irregardless of his performance. Okay, so along those lines, which question should we answer first? Should we answer why... Why has he been out so long and why has he been labeled questionable? Or or should we answer what is it going to look like when he comes back? I think I think it makes sense to start with this precarious drawn out injury situation. It is precarious. It's weird. Um I think I, I was listening to uh Zach Lowe and Howard Beck. Do you listen to that one mm-hmm. where they picked their West All Stars? And they, they kind of went into a lot of this sort of stuff as it pertained to Kyrie Irving and the the rules that teams have to follow. As it as it applies to injuries, and the 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 rights that players have through HIPAA mm-hmm. to not need to disclose s- that, disclose yeah. what their their sort of stuff is. So, 
there's a gray area here. Um, within that gray area, as it pertains to Cat, it's been weird. It's been almost every game. There was like two games, I think, where he was just ruled out right away. But for the most part of these 12 games, it's been a pattern of questionable leading up to the game, out, um, ruled out at game time. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think to some people that just makes sense that you can just say, well, questionable just means out. Let's just assume that questionable means out. I was talking to Britt about it and as how it was kind of bothering me. And he's like, why don't you just assume questionable means out until you're told otherwise? Well, and I'm like, a- yeah, but it doesn't mean out. Yeah, that's just accepting their bending of the rules. We, you don't need to do that. It, yeah, but then again, they're not breaking rules either. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's a frustrating pattern because this isn't an isolated incident. There was there was ambiguity that mm-hmm. I mean, going back to Covington last year, uh, Teague had a four game illness injury. Wiggins missed four games in eight, like eight or nine days with the flu. Uh, even Shabazz Napier's mm-hmm. hamstring injury didn't have an exact sort of timeline. Jake Lehman has had an ambiguous timeline. And I, I don't I don't know why that is. I, I, I was just thinking about this as I was walking over and, you know, Woj tweeted out, Woj and Shams tweeted out, Joel Embiid had surgery today. The expected timeline is one to two weeks. Yep. There hasn't been, for any Timberwolves injury, there hasn't been that sort of stuff. Mm-mm. So what does that mean? Does that mean us as reporters are not getting that information from the staff, from the team, and they're just like Woj and Shams don't care enough to dig into this specific incident because they have obviously way more resources than I do, or <clears throat> or is this just different? I, I don't I don't know what it is, but the the baggage that comes with it is fans have been become really perturbed. Yeah, totally. Well, it's it seems different because it's a pattern. It's yep. a bona fide pattern at this point. Yep. You could say some injuries are different than others in that like, yeah, Jake Lehman, turf toe, that's a tough one. But what, from my experience, most organizations do is say, Jake Lehman has turf toe, he'll be reevaluated in one to two weeks. Then you reevaluate them and say, Jake Lehman's turf toe is bad. He'll be reevaluated in two more weeks. And I I totally understand that you have to comply with the rules of HIPAA and that these players deserve to have sensitive information withheld from the public. And I also, like I said, think these injuries can be different and not all of them are the same. But it's a pattern now and it's getting to the point where I mean, you're a public-facing organization. This isn't like an employee of, yeah. you know, some conglomerate who deserves to have their, like, why would anyone need to know their medical information? Yes. This is a, a company that expects fans to pay their money to go consume their product. And if you're just going to kind of needle them with these, like, loose truths over and over and over again, it's going to get frustrating. And then to say, well, like, why does nobody come to our games? It's like, and it's not just because, yeah. like, you don't say that Carl Anthony Towns is injured, but like it's things that pile up over and over and year after year. And it's just, it's tiring. I think it's a league issue. I think that's who should be held accountable more than anyone to define what the gray is. This is where you need to be white. This is where you need to be mm-hmm. black. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, because I mean, they, again, no, no rules, anything are being broken. And, and maybe cat's injury, this knee sprain is 
Yeah. Inherently ambiguous. I don't know the nature. But that's why you say he'll, he'll be reevaluated in a timetable. Yeah. That, I think that a little bit more transparency, bottom line, a little bit more transparency would have done well to back my ass up of people being like, why don't you just ask more this and mm-hmm. that? I, I want to play the audio from yesterday's game. And I didn't ask the question. It was Chris Hine from the Star Tribune who did. But just just so people know, or at least the people who are listening to this podcast know, like this this is this is what it sounds like. And these are the these are the answers, you know, that we get back. Not just in a quote, because you can kind of you can hear Ryan Saunders kind of implication with this. So let's play that clip. Carl, uh, how's he looking? Yeah, Carl's not going to go tonight, but he's he's getting closer, and it's it's uh, you know he's obviously he's doing everything to to get back on the court, and it's obviously how important he is to our team. Um, we just want to you know be be more cautious than that. So that's that's that. I I don't know. I mean, to to me, at having heard him Ryan for the past month answer questions about that, that answer suggests he's closer than he's been before where previously it's just been Carl won't go tonight Mm -hmm. at times. Again, I think Ryan and the organization would do well to, particularly in this situation where he is right about back, to say, you know, we did think we had a window here earlier. You know, I I, I don't know. I I think a little bit more could have been disclosed, but he didn't break any rules. That's Mm -mm. that's what it is, and this is what the current status is. Has anybody asked at at any recent past why – they're labeling everyone questionable. It, okay, what I can say is it's it's hard because I don't want to create in a, any sort of like animosity of mm-hmm. pressing and poking and this and that. Because quite frankly, for me, yes, it's kind of my job to figure out some of this stuff, but I also don't really care. Yeah, that much. Like for me personally, just my, what what I care more about is. And what I think I do is, is write more about like the basketball. I don't, I guess I'm kind of a reporter, but I, I, I think I do more writing and analysis of what's totally. actually happening on the floor. So that's why I brought up the Shams Woj thing before. Like mm-hmm. that might be the job of a little bit more of a reporter where they don't, where they don't really care. It's a kind of a battle. It's an yeah. information war that they play. I don't want to play an information war mm-hmm. because I because if after the game I do that and it's perturbing to Ryan or whoever, then it's hard for me to ask basketball questions after the game. Yeah, I just thought I had a vague memory of it being brought up before Jake Lehman kind of switched from questionable every night to out. But I might just be misremembering that. Uh, kind of, um, and I think it was Doogie, mm. who, who's he was a, little He's bit a more reporter. Of a reporter, yes, totally. And 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 there was like a little bit of clarity given, I think, but that pressure applied by Doogie to his credit did make it I don't know if it made it change but it did change after that where Mm -hmm. he started being listed as out but just with Jake Lehman and 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 it didn't it didn't impact any of their future actions it's clear that they're very much so walking a line here between not pissing off reporters and fans too much Mm -hmm. and gaining whatever competitive advantage or doing whatever they can or like making sure that people don't sell their tickets right before the game because Carl Anthony Towns is out like that's that's like the obvious implication, right? That you just want fans to still come because they think Cat's playing. I don't know. I don't know. What, what? I, I don't know what else. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, the it's the it's the other team scouting report. They have to kind of prepare two of them. But it's like, come on. I, yeah, I I don't know. I for me, I, I I wrote this when I did a you know mailbag thing last week, 
And in the turf toe one, for me, pers- and this is just a me thing, um, when I was playing basketball, I got turf toe twice, both of my, both of my feet. Ooh. Uh, two separate. What times. is turf toe? Do you like? Can you give me thirty seconds on what turf toe is? Yeah, it's essentially if you like look down at your pointer finger right mm-hmm. now and you push it up as high as you can, and it like were to bend, like the ligaments were to rip there, yep. and like bend all the way back, like fold over. It's essentially that happening to your big toe, and all oh. those you're just like pushing up. Like I stepped on somebody both times. I stepped on somebody's foot, and my toe Flip. ripped. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's good to know. And it's extremely painful. It was extremely painful. It took a very long time to, to come back. Yeah, you need your toe to be 100% to play basketball. Particularly in basketball and, and jumping. But the thing that I connect to it, just because I that's the one injury I feel like I have some actual experience with, is that both times, separate, I mean, years apart, I went to the doctor, you know, got it, x-rayed, looked at, a foot doc, foot specialist, and both times it was, you'll be in this walking boot for six weeks, and we'll be able to see what running looks like in eight weeks. And what did they say when Jake Lehman got hurt? Was it just, did they give any timetable or was it just questionable right away? It was just listed as toe sprain initially. Yeah. And then I think John Krasinski followed up asking, you know, is this like a turf, uh, something more like turf toe? Now, not all turf toes are like mine. I had a, what would be called like a grade three turf toe sprain, toe sprain, turf toe sprain. And that has, that comes with a different label. So he could have had turf toe and just missed like one week too. Mm-hmm. It could have not been as bad. But why, why it's, for me, again, in my experience, it was immediate. It was that day. We could tell it's this bad. You're going to be out for this amount of time. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I don't know if that was communicated to Jake and not us, but what's happened is Jake's been in a walking boot for six weeks. <laughs> And has and then about eight weeks started not wearing a walking boot and I haven't seen him running but I would assume it actually mirrors a lot of that same recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. That's it's it's also just difficult to talk about because like neither you nor I are doctors. It'd be nice to have like totally. Lucas Seahoff around here or something. Yep, he wrote about it, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. He writes about all this. It's awesome. He's a great follow. But like, it's hard to talk about. Irregardless, we're just spectators, whether mm-hmm. we're media people or fans. Yep. We're just people who follow this team day in and day out and want to know what's going on. And this, you know, maybe it's more of a league-wide trend than I understand, but it seems different with the Timberwolves right now. Right. I, I think so, and I think different, and again, this is what Lo and Beck were talking about, is different organizations implement different processes to how closed off they want to be. And what they were talking about with Brooklyn is that they are very restrictive because Sean Marks is their president of basketball operations. He comes from the San Antonio Spurs tree, which is notoriously very closed off with the information that they let out. It is Sean Marks's prerogative to decide how open he wants to be with Kyrie Irving's injury, just as it is. Gerson Rosas. Is it? There are no league-wide rules. I genuinely don't know. I I've wish I knew try- more. I've been... Because it, it can't just be his prerogative. That, if so, the league well, needs to step is. in on well, this. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. the league. Yeah, it's, it's to the league in general, not just to this. It's different. I, I think why we're feeling this more is Tibbs was for sure this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bielitsa was listed as day-to-day for a month and missed like 16 games. But that was not when T got hurt, not when Jimmy got hurt. Yeah, I don't think Tibbs was as bad about this as Saunders and Rosas have been. 
Well, I mean, we I mean, knew. Maybe, it, I, I would just say they both. Yeah, they, are have been more or both more closed off. So in our immediate memory, that's what we think of is is the Timberwolves being more closed off than mm-hmm. other teams, which I think is probably just true. But again, I don't think that's them breaking any sort of rules. It just it sticks out way more when it's Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. than it did when it was Shabazz Napier. Right? Absolutely. Different, you know, diff, just different levels of impact mm-hmm. on on the team. So I think this will all be behind us, the team, you know, shortly. But do you? You do? I do, yeah. Yeah. I had um my understanding is that he was not not just like close in the like throwing candy out way. He was close to playing the Memphis game, which was two games ago. Hmm. And I thought that that there was a real shot that he played in that game. And then they just kind of determined he the bottom of the line, they want him to get back to hundred mm-hmm. percent. It wasn't 100, 100% for the Memphis game, though it was close. And now it's these two. If progression is linear in this injury, you would think that Houston, this Houston game on Saturday would. I, yeah, I just have, it's, it's a totally be, see it before I believe it because yeah. it's kind of like fair. the last three games. There have been hints that like Carl Anthony Towns is probably going to play tonight or like he might be back soon, really soon. We expect him back soon. And it's like, I'll just wait till I see it. I think that's, that's probably the, the best way to go. About yeah. It. Um, I think the, uh, the next basketball question is as it pertains to cat is will the defense revert to being really bad uh, when he returns since cat's been out, the wolves are number one, which is now since December 13th. Um, so almost a month. Number one in defense uh, with a defensive rating of 101.4, which is actually like a lot better than number two, uh, Orlando, 1.8 better than uh, Orlando and two points better than Milwaukee, who's number three. Um, And then offensively, since Kat's been out, they've been 29th, basically tied with Golden State, Atlanta and Brooklyn Mm -hmm. at at the uh, at the bottom of the league. So I think the cynical explanation or a cynical explanation that isn't necessarily untrue is that cat just ruins defenses this season. Uh, well, every season of cat's career, the defense has been better with him off the floor than has been on it, in terms of defensive rating. That's a stat fact this year. It's as big as it's ever been and only getting bigger as the wolves defense gets better and better when cat's been on the floor. And this is a, it's been, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. This is a weirder year. He's played every game in yes. every other year, which makes those on-off numbers a yep. little bit more trustworthy to me. Totally. It's w- weird when you miss a stretch of right. games. I was, yeah, definitely, That's I was going to mention that. That's good that we mentioned it. But it's staggering. Yeah. This year with Cat on the floor, it's 114.5. And with him off the floor, 101.7. So that's just not just this run. That's the whole season. Mm-hmm. Uh, his on-off numbers. That's, you know, that's... That's massive. Prior to him going down, they're 22nd in defense um, in the league, allowing exactly 10 more points per 100 possessions than they have since he's been hurt. And that's just a, that's a massive number. I mean, that's the difference between Toronto, who's number two in the league in defensive rating, and Cleveland, who's 29th, 10 points per 100 wow. possessions, which is – that's huge. How much do you buy into that narrative? Um, I mean, like a little bit. Like I think that the Timberwolves' defense is – uh, a little bit better when Cat's not on the floor for a couple reasons. W- one has to do with Cat not being that good at defense. Uh, another is the lineups. He generally plays with players like Andrew Wiggins and 
Jeff Teague and Gorgie Jink generally plays with players like Shabazz Napier and Josh Okogi. Sure. And so there's a lot of that going into it. But I think that this Timberwolves defensive season can be broken up into three windows. The first one was probably the first 18 games of yep, the and year. Yep. And they were 10 and 8. And actually the defense was better when Carl Anthony Towns was on the floor. When they were playing that drop scheme point. and letting defenders or letting opposing guards score 48 points, but they're still 10 and 8, the defense was better with Cat on the floor than it was with him off of the floor. Then it seemed like they started to kind of expand their defensive coverages and let players do a little bit more as it relates to like hedging the pick and roll and switching and all that. They said as much, yep. They've said as much, yeah. And then it tanked. And Kat, whether it was, you know, Cat just having a really hard time with that or kind of more players getting injured at the same time or whatever it was, it tanked. And then Cat got hurt and then it's gotten better. So I think that there's like a lot to unpack there. But I do think that the narrative based on those on off numbers, based on the fact that the Timberwolves have the number one defensive rating since December 13th, based on like, and just I think the narrative has gone too far. I, I think Cat is not a good defender, and I think that's become clear. But I don't think Cat is a really bad defender like those numbers would allude to. And I wonder how much they'll go back to his if, – if that drop scheme has kind of become a comfort for him, I wonder how much they'll go back to it when he returns. I think I have a context that applies to that sort of positive spin to Cat, and that's – in the first seven games of December up to December 13th, when Cat was hurt, the Wolves were 0-7, and they were playing absolutely atrocious defense, mm-hmm. 123.5 last in the league by a lot. Like, yeah. Really, really bad. The last game of those seven is the Clippers game, where Cat gets hurt, obviously. Randomly, in the schedule after that, the Wolves have four full days off, all of which in between two home games. So they literally sleep in their bed, then they have four days of practice, mm-hmm. and then they're still back at home for that New Orleans game. And then how's the schedule go after that? But but this is but this yeah yeah the the, the success, schedule got easy. The schedule got easy, but they had those four days off, and then they've played these twelve games. Mm-hmm. And in those twelve games, they've been number one in defensive rating. So you can say it's not cat, or you can say that those four days with that break, that practice time, that they readjusted the defense as they clearly have, that that was. M- perhaps more impactful than Cat just being removed from the lineup. Yeah, well, and I think, like, Gorgie Jang is a good defender, and there were, like, they'd probably be better with Gorgie Jang mm-hmm. in the lineup over an extended period than Cat on the defensive end, no matter what. But, like, also, since that Clippers game, I mean, they played the Pelicans, then the Nuggets, but then Blazers, Warriors, Kings, Cavs, Nets, and then Bucks, but then Warriors, Cavs, Grizzlies, Blazers, like... That's been an easy part of the schedule. Yeah. They haven't played many potent offenses. So it's just like a lot of factors. And I really like, I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. I didn't like intend to come on here and be like, Cat's a pretty good defender. Cause I don't think that, but I don't think he's like, horrendous. he's not the, he's not, he's not the reason. There, there's these numbers are, there's a lot of, I, I think, I think what Ryan is at least saying publicly is that that time to adjust the defense was a big factor. And that makes sense to, to have that to have that time off. I, I asked him about it last night. I want to play that audio too. Just that the way they've played defense, even if you just see numbers, you don't know who is who, or you just see the play like the way the X's and O's are moving around. It's been different and better mm-hmm. over these twelve games. Part of that is cap, but I think part of it is is a change too. So let's let's play that that clip from this is after the Portland game last night. Right to the. Uh 
naked eye, it, it seems like you guys have been maybe adding to your defensive package, switching a, a, a lot more. Is that kind of building on the success you've been having on that end, or more opponent dependent? What, what's coming uh, on into that? Yeah, it's it's more. I mean, as a coach and as a coaching staff, um, you don't just put things in on the fly um, through the season. I mean, sometimes you know you'll you'll think about you'll have your packages and you'll think about what can work with. Um, certain personnel um, more defensively uh, and then uh, you know you, you find times when you think you can put it in you know when you okay we're gonna have three days of practice we'll, we're able to work on this a little bit more but um, you know we spent a few days up north early and you know before training camp started and you know you as a co as coaches you map out when you want to put in certain things when you think it, it will be good to put these things in um, so you have your checklist you know that's both offensively and defensively you don't get through it all but you have an idea and uh, I'd say we're, we're right on track and um, that's a huge credit to the coaches in that locker room so so that that's him saying that last night is what made me kind of go back and, and look at the schedule and look for that that break and I was like oh yeah they did have three days of yeah. practice right Right there, and I mean, not to just totally like fall into the wave of his narrative that he's you know painting there, because they've definitely, and all of the questions they've been asked about defense have been very cautious to not condemn Cat whatsoever, which that makes sense for a lot of political reasons, mm -hmm. you know. But I, but I do I think both can be true, mm -hmm. and I think I think just just both are. I think that was a big factor. I think in the NBA season you don't get to practice a lot at all. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It was actually interesting to hear him say you don't um, implement things on the fly, which he later clarified to mean like you plan it out before the season when yep. you're going to implement changes. And what I've been kind of wondering about is will they learn from, or not learn from, will they identify that stretch when the defense was really bad with Cat as something that they need to like regress from kind of back to those beginning stages of the season, but it, or cover, with the coverages they were playing sure. during the beginning of the season. But it sounds like based on that answer, th that might not be something they do. They don't just make changes like that on the fly based on, you know, some string of results or something like that. The way I take it, because he's answered questions like this a, a couple times previously, specifically related to the defenses, it's kind of like a, a pyramid that you like you set in your base defensive plan. Mm -hmm. And I think we we saw that was super clear right away those first few games, right? They're they're dropping everything. They're deep dropping everything. And they're saying, you know, we don't want to get we don't want to get yanked around like we did last season by chasing ball rotations and scrambling back to the corner. So it was basic. It was a really basic drop scheme. And they had some success with that. They were doing a good job of taking away Lobs at the rim, and the way they were getting beat was by guys punishing them in the mid-range, right? Mm -hmm. That just happened. That's the D'Angelo Russell. That's Kyrie. That's all the guys who got their 40, 50-point nights. And then they they started <clears throat> to build on that over the year, getting a little bit more dynamic with the with adding to those coverages, adding in a one through four black, or which is switching one, switching all four of those positions, or or only situation like so black is switching, blue is dropping, only having Vonley, for example, drop situations when he's with this player mm -hmm. or, or the other player then they added to that I think if we want to you know point fingers at bad defensive coaching this year it was in that first build-up that they maybe added a little bit too much and then things as you as you said things got wonky right mm -hmm. and and I think they, they peeled back down from that and now are again building up because they need they need to build the pyramid because you can't just run that like they can't just forever run that super basic bottom line of the of the pyramid 
teams, particularly if you do that in the playoffs, and you're playing against a team with a Kevin Durant, you know, if you not even just a Kevin Durant, but a lot of dynamic scores who would be in a playoff series would punish you mm-hmm. if you do that over and over because there's a ton of guys who can just get into the middle, the mid-range, and not necessarily shoot from there, but work you from there. And that's what the basic Timberwolves offense gives. There are teams that do allow that a lot more than other teams, though. I'm thinking of the Milwaukee Bucks. They've kind of just bought into that strategy. even And it, and it can come back to bite in the playoffs, and they obviously have a lot more variation coming off of it. But, okay, but so let's, let's go into that. Milwaukee, Milwaukee is a very, they do run a deep drop scheme, but they run in a very aggressive tag scheme, mm-hmm. like, you know, coming in to bringing a second defender into chip, which I think takes away a lot of those mid-range looks for being clean. And I think Eric Bledsoe is very good at those rear view contests coming down to also, you know, he's ch- chasing his guy, like snaking around the screen to defend that. So I think what Milwaukee's system does is by chipping as much as it does, it forces the team to swing, swing and get threes. Mm-hmm. As we know, I mean, statistically that's backed up. They allow a ton of threes. Mm-hmm. They're so long, athletic, and decisive in those actions where they get out and contest those threes well, where teams don't shoot a, shoot a high rate at them. So I think the difference between – well, I mean, it's definitely like – I would say they're like cousins of each other, what mm-hmm. Milwaukee and Minnesota are doing. But Milwaukee is much more prone to throw a third person into a pick-and-roll action than the Wolves were when they're just running yeah. a basic two-man drop scheme. I think that's true. I uh, In my mind, I'm just coming back to the title of – the the profile that Britt wrote, Britt Robson yeah. at The Athletic so wrote on David Vanterpool, and the title was Solid is Enough. And I think that that's like, that's where I was at at the beginning of the season. I remember when we did a podcast, at, it must have been like after Beal's game, and it was like four yeah. four guards in like six games who had scored probably more than 40. Yeah. And I remember saying like, I think it's okay. I think their their defense has been solid. Their record is good. Cat looks good and confident, and that's enough. Solid is enough. And I just, I kind of wished that they would have stuck with that at least for longer, or at least like, because yeah, you can say it's going to kill you eventually. It's going to kill you in the playoffs. It'll kill you in the regular season. But like, it wasn't killing them. Yeah. It, well, that's the that's the distinction to make, though. Right. My opinion, honestly, my opinion after reading that, it's great and it's detailed. I don't think solid's enough. Mm. I don't. I don't think that's what you should strive for. And specifically, as it pertains to what Vanterpool says as a quote in there, if they take fifty of the shots of that shot we want them to take, and they make forty nine of them, we're cool with that, because that's our process. We know that's a low quality shot. And I think what that does is dispel the hot hand theory that a guy can get rolling from a low value area on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if he was here, you know, he'd be able to, you know, banter back and forth with us a little bit on that. And there's there's more layers to it. Well, I but- think what he'd say is somebody getting a hot hand from 18 feet is a bummer, but it's a lot better than them having a hot hand from two to four feet or 26 feet. Sure. I, I agree with that. I just, you're going to lose if somebody gets a hot hand from two to four feet. You're mm-hmm. going to lose if somebody gets a hot hand from deep. And you're also going to lose if someone gets a hot hand from the mid-range. I don't necessarily agree with that because generally a hot hand from the mid-range is like 60%, 50%. I, I think it, it, it depends because it's not just shooting. I think That's true. That's it, true. It, we, we can't just points per possession. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I, it's way better. It's, mm-hmm. it's way better. But 
if you brought that mentality into a playoff series, into a conference finals, into an NBA finals, and you had a player who had the the ability to get hot from that area, I think you need would need to adjust to it. I think they would, mm-hmm. but I think it's just then if that if you would adjust, then I don't think solid's enough. Yeah. It's kind of conflicting. I know he's just it's just a saying. Yeah. It's just a saying, but if we want to talk big picture, if this is the system long term and and you know, Katz is the center who who always plays back and they just switch one through four and all all of this, all of the whole process is there and it stays in place, I think it's gonna to get to the playoffs and they're gonna lose. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. If you pull back the ribbon from like building a championship contender though, and you like want this Timberwolves team to become perennial playoff team, like you're gonna be a four to six seed every year. It's going to be like the yeah. the the fifth ranked offense and the 14th or 15th ranked defense. And I just see that as the most likely positive outcome for this cat centered team is one that's really good at offense and that because the team is kind of built with shooters and cutters yeah. around them and then is solid enough on defense to not give up games. And I just kind of see that. But but as, what it, what's the goal? That's what is enough. That's that's sure. what the question is. Cuz mm-hmm. cuz if if the goal is to be fourth ranked offense and 15th ranked defense and solid is enough. Mm-hmm. But is that your goal to be the fourth or sixth seed in the West? I don't know. I mean, maybe, no, it's not their it's, goal. It, it's, it's certainly not their goal. I just, I believe in having levels of goals to be fair. Fourth and offense and 15th and defense would be like the, the third or yeah, fourth. That's, seed. Probably, that's probably that's, true. That's a good damn. I, good I don't team. know. I mean, I, it's just that that was going through my head. I, I get it all in this vacuum of, of regular season basketball. But I, for me, and I'm not David Vantable, I haven't coached along a Tory Messina and Terry Stotts and all that. But just to me, I question any any scheme. I question the Sixers scheme. I question the Blazers scheme we saw yesterday. I, I question, and the Nuggets, I questioned the Nuggets scheme doing that. I don't think in this NBA, when shooting, the quality of shooters has escalated as much as it has, that that is enough. That's just loosely. That's my opinion on it. I don't like that scheme, and I, I think if you want to win a championship, it's just it's going to have to be really dynamic. Yeah, you got to play really dynamic defense. I think we're kind of talking in circles now. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It just seems quick. You're never going to win a championship this year. No, like, I know. Why not build on those fundamentals for a little bit longer? I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I do. I literally, I think they should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. be this, be I, I, this I for now, be this for now, yep. but they're going to need to make a, the, the pyramid is going to get, I'll have to get a lot tired. Agreed. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. That's all I'm saying. Like it isn't, this isn't enough. Yeah. And I think to that, win a championship. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my opinion. Um, that was kind of long. My, my, my last like thought I have as it pertains to this, the, the offense or the, the defense has been really good recently stat is this I, I was looking it up so the, the three worst offenses in the league since Cat's been out so since December 13th the three worst are Golden State Brooklyn and Minnesota those are the three worst offenses hmm. in the league all three Makes of those sense. teams are top 10 in defense over that stretch hmm. why um I saw your tweet yeah so I kind of know what you're alluding to um but I don't know. I don't have a great answer. I don't either. I don't either. But doesn't it make sense in playing basketball that mentally as the opponent, when you know your opponent is 
does not have it offensively that psychologically you would do less offensively. Yeah. I just yeah, think there's no, something I, to that. I just think there's something to that. I totally, I think like playing down to your competition is a real thing. Um, like, and this in, isn't a big enough sample or anything to do it, but I, I looked that up. I'm like, man, that's kind of how I've been feeling about this yeah. Timberwolves team is like, I think they're playing really good defense, but I think it's a lot of factors. I think they've been playing bad teams. And I think that teams take this offense lightly when you run out Jordan McLaughlin and Keelan Martin mm-hmm. and, all these different guys who they haven't even heard of. Like yeah. teams clearly haven't even like scouted Nasri. That like, was incredible. DeAndre Jordan looking at the bench going, can that guy shoot? <laughs> right? it, it was incredible. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, I think that it's co- just really, that's really an interesting like thought to me. Yeah. And I think that like psychologically that makes sense, but wouldn't the counter to that be like the old saying that the best defense is a good offense? Yeah, I mean, like opponents tend to do better off of missed shots than made shots. So, like, if you're making more shots, it should help your defense get set and like yeah. have a better defense. I don't know. I know what you mean, though. I just it's just weird. It's I, just yeah. weird. And it, it's just I've had that feeling watching individual games. Yeah, where I go, yeah, I think they're playing with more energy and they're executing better defensively. But I think why the numbers are shaking out to be as good as they are has to do with something more. Yeah. I th- one thing that comes to my mind is point of attack defense, which Ryan Sanders had kind of pointed out before this stretch. You get a lot more Shabazz Napier and which shout out vastly improved defensive Jarrett Culver. For sure. Defending at the point of attack m- for a greater proportion of your minutes every night. That's going to go a long ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And that Ryan has been steadfast. To say, he, I remember him saying that last year. Like, that I mean, we've been saying that for years. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, we we point to cat. Yeah, we point to cat, and and in a vacuum, the center is the most important piece of a defense. And I think particularly in this scheme, the center is the most important piece. But that point of attack defender is huge too. Yeah, and they've really. I mean, going back to last year when it was you know Jared Bayless for like what he started like fifteen games in a row or mm-hmm. something. I mean, it's killer. It's killer. It, it it really, it really is killer. And then it, it leads to this whole like existential crisis of what to do with Robert Covington. And I'm like, man, why is Robert Covington guarding Mario Hazonia yesterday? <laughs> like, doesn't don't you watch that and you go, I get it, I get it in the big picture, but like this possession on this possession of basketball, they have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum out there, and you put Covington on Hazonia. Yeah, I don't have the same level of confidence in Covington as a point of attack defender. As yeah. you do, but like I agree on some level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, and what they would, what they've done, what they've done is in fourth quarter. I mean, particularly that Clippers game, mm-hmm. like you know, Compton wasn't on Kawhi at all. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth quarter, then they kind of switched to it. What I've just noticed in general, both sides of the floor, is they really have fourth quarter packages. Yeah, like yeah, as far as sets go, and as far as what they do defensively, it's like they kind of go through the first three quarters of the game. And then they like turn up the efficiency. And I think that's smart because what you see when that's not the case, well, I, I, the, this isn't like blanketly true. What I've tended to see when that's not the case is that that's when you break down to ISO mode and just go, oh, we just don't want to turn it over. Like we just want to make sure we get a shot up. Like if you have a kind of more definitive fourth quarter scheme, you'll be more likely to actually run right. sets. The last cat question I want to answer is, will he share the floor with Gorgie Jang? when he returns and what the two big look could look like, but let's take a quick break. 
I'll be back in 20 seconds. We are sponsored again today by Circle Rock. Circle Rock is a menswear company that uses all locally made materials. At CircleRock.com, you can get blazers, dress shirts, vest, winter jackets, all that sort of deal. Any sort of winter gear and formal wear is at Circle Rock. If you want to check them out in person, you can go to Circle Rock's House of Style in southwest Minneapolis. And if you are looking for a discount, you can use the code ZONE25 today to receive a $25 gift card for your next Circle Rock purchase. Again, that's ZONE25 for $25 off today. So, Will, we'll Pretty cap- crazy that you've got ads now, man. Congrats. <laughs> Just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um, will Gorgie Jang and Kat share the floor? Um, well, okay, it's multiple questions. Should they share the floor? Will they share the floor? Would it be effective? Would it be effective? Yes. I'll get that one out of the way. Has been effective in the past. They've both expanded their range. I think it would be effective. Um, will it happen? My guess is no. Not with much frequency. Cat and Gorgie have played 19, have shared the floor for 19 minutes in 18 games this year. Or that was last year. They haven't shared that. Eight, last year eight under minutes. Un- eight minutes this year. I looked it up. Eight minutes this year. Last year from when Saunders took over to the end of the year is 18 minutes and 19 games. It's not in his ethos. It's not the system that he wants to implement. I do think it would be effective. And this just comes back to the conversation that we're going to have for the rest of the year, for the rest of until they Eternity. have until they have a roster that fits the scheme they want to implement. It's just going to be about are we trying to win as many games as we can or are we trying to implement a system that we feel like is going to help us more moving forward? And I, you know, those lines could be blurred more than it seems like Saunders and Rosas are willing to let them. But I just, if I'm putting money on it, I'd say no, Kat and Gorgie won't share the floor to any meaningful capacity. So I've thought more about the other side of that, like what the rotation would look like if they did come together. And then I've, I think on the last the last podcast I did was like, then you're going to kind of create a logjam down on the wings because if Gorgie starts taking or funk, if Gorgie starts taking big time center minutes, yep. Cat starts taking some stretch four minutes, Covington starts taking some small forward minutes, mm-hmm. the what Kogi and Culver start taking some two guard, you know, it just you create a you create a new bottleneck. I haven't really thought about the other side of it because I think you're right. I don't think it's going to happen, and I'm going to play. Gorgie was asked about this last night. We'll play that in a second. His answer makes it sound like it's not going to happen. Spoiler alert. Hmm. But then, so then does this rotation that it's been of late just kind of stay? Because only Cat and Layman are out. Mm-hmm. So so let's let's say magically Cat and Layman are both back. Then we on Saturday. finally get to see the lineup. I'm most excited to see. Want to hear it? Yes. Napier, Wiggins, Layman, Covington, Towns. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, and and what about? How do you feel about that same? I mean, Culver's got to play a lot. Yeah, I just. What do you feel about Culver in the Napier spot? That'd be fine. Especially, I I, yeah. I like the idea of Napier shooting. I like just that's kind of the max shooting lineup that this. Yeah, problem with has. Culver shooting or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, so magically, Cat and Layman are back on Saturday. Let's say, then it goes. It it sticks to what it's been, where where Cat just takes the Gorgie minutes. Gorgie moves to the Noah Vonley minutes. Backup minutes. And Jake Lehman takes Kata Bates-Diop's minutes, and Kata gets cut from the rotation, I assume. Mm, right? Or Yeah. Or Keelan Martin never gets called back up, or, mm, like, I don't know. Be, yeah. I, I think it would largely 
probably be that. I think that's that's the most likely future. But yeah, I mean, injuries are going to continue to happen, and guys are going to miss time, and that's yeah. just going to happen. Yeah. It happens to all teams. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what's Gordy's your answer to the would it be effective? It would be effective. Yeah, and and I think <laughs> I think it would be informative to see Cat get some time in a scheme that switches one through four as with him as the four. Mm. I think that would just be interesting, mm-hmm. an interesting dot of information mm-hmm. for the future. If you do that for the second half of the year, and what would that look? We've never, ever seen that before. Yeah, not really. I mean, he's like switched out like sometimes at late game situations where they run a pick and roll and, you know, you just, whatever, that that's happened. But as a staple of it, I, I would, I don't know if that would work, but I feel pretty confident that Cat's not very good at, Drop scheme defense is a five. Sure. Because he's never been. I mean, or at least he hasn't been so far. That's what that data says. He might get better at it. I'm interested what that would look like. Um, it just kind of gets to your your whole push of like, I wonder if Cat should be a four, which is kind of what you've been angling at for the last like couple months. Not like make, yeah. putting your foot in the sand or anything. I've told this story so many times on this podcast. It's probably like the fifth time I've said it, but it was like, one of my one of my first ever one on one interviews was with Nikola Vucevic. Yep. Just at, yeah, just yeah, yeah. had a shoot around, and I asked him about about guarding Towns, and he was like, "I'm not going to guard Towns." Towns, he's four. like, he's like, Aaron, Aaron's going to guard him, Aaron Gordon. He's like, I'm like, oh, why? He said, "Well, Towns is their four. Taj is the five. I guard fives. I was like, that right, that moment right there. Was like I've always had this like yeah. since then I've had that. Which mind. the more I hear it, the more I kind of feel like it's a little bit of shade, like from <laughs> Vucevic to Towns. Like centers are proud to be big men, and if you're saying like, "Well, he's not really a center," like that's kind of some shade at Cat. Yeah, it also leads the other side of that is I can't guard Cat on the perimeter, which true. is also true. Which is also and Aaron true. Gordon can't. I mean, like yeah, yeah, Aaron yeah. It's a pretty good matchup, for Cat. Yeah. Um. Whatever. Beside the point. I, I this year though, like. Try stuff. Try stuff. What? I mean, like, Gorgie's been really good. I think that's, like, the opposite of what they want to do this year, though. They don't want to just try stuff. They want to implement something that's meaningful. And that, I, I, I hear that. I yeah. just... I, you're right. That's smart. But my the fan gene of me or the mm-hmm. person who gets engaged in the game-to-game, it really bugs me when I see things happening in the name of system over winning. I don't like it. I understand the league incentivizes tanking and all that shit like to to not put forth your best foot every sort of every single game. The bet my favorite thing about Tom Thibodeau when I watched Tom Thibodeau coach basketball games, that team was trying to win that game. Mm-hmm. And just as I understand that obviously it went sideways and isn't maybe a good strategy, but I think if you're a fan of basketball, you'd love that for the team that you're cheering for. We're going out and trying to win this game today. Yeah. And don't you kind of feel like uh, there have been other teams to do what the Timberwolves are doing right now successfully? Like I think about the yeah, Brooklyn Nets, totally. Which is kind no, of I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm wrong. I'm just <laughs> saying. Like that's that's just what I, that's the feeling I get every single time mm-hmm. when. Well, I do too. Like it's that I want them to win every game. Like it's a you're a game and a half out of the eight seed right now. Like it's a it's for for fans. It's like let's go get that playoff spot. And to get the playoff spot, you got to put your best players on. The I want to and I want to cover a winning team. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. More fun to do it. Totally. It's better for me professionally. Yeah. <laughs> a <laughs> lot better. Yeah. Um, I do want to just write off what Jeng's done lately. Um, since since 
uh, Cat went down. So these 12 games, he's jumped into a way bigger role, playing 28 minutes a night, um, 13 points per game, nine boards, 40% from three, 1.4 steals, 1.1 blocks. The offense is 105.1, which isn't very good. And the defense is elite, 100.0. That's a net rating of plus 5.1, which is really good. Uh, which, well, not really good. It's good. Mm-hmm. If you split it to the last That's six. That's really good, 5.1. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> the offense is the last six games. His, his counting stats are essentially the same. But the offense as a whole has gotten a lot better. Um, 111.7, defensive rating 97.6. So that's a, a good offense, elite defense, and then net rating is plus 14.1, which is, like, better than the Bucks. Yeah. But six games, and they played crappy teams. I, I get all that. Gorgie Jing's objectively been a winning player, mm-hmm. a productive player since, you know, since Cat came down and – or Cat went down. And I think it's uh, – I, I don't think it needs to be totally rolled out. And – I know I said I don't think it's going to happen. What I think is going to happen is it's going to happen in bits. Game. I mean, Ryan's kind of said that. It'll be game to game and, and dependent on, I think, if a team has, you know, two big guys that uh, it makes sense to have, you know, two big guys against that to defend them. I think that makes sense. I think they, there's issues with the Cat and Jang lineup of both playing with pace and also transition defense. Mm-hmm. I, this isn't like foolproof but i don't know i mean i think it just deserves it yeah i'd like to see it i i mean i would like to see it too i i still i i like buy into the system thing implementing a system but i just don't see how playing a few minutes of gorgie and cat can like spoil that uh, that's what like all together that, that's been my whole two big thing yeah. the whole year yeah like do it for eight ten minutes again yeah um I Gorgie Jing shooting 5.2 three-pointers for 36 minutes and making them at 37%. It's just a testament. He's not the first center to do this, but it's just a testament to the idea that like when a guy shows year in and year out that he's a good shooter from a distance, there's nothing stopping him from being a good shooter from a further distance. You know what it was though? This is what stopped him is that he went to Senegal every summer. I talked to mm. I talked to somebody in the front office and they wanted to do it, or even Tibbs era wanted to get him, you know, to, to do that more, but they didn't have the access to him in the summer that they did other mm. players. And granted, they could have told him in Senegal to do it. It wasn't impossible, but, but they said that was, that got in the way a little bit of being mm. able to curtail, you know, to, to work with him on what they wanted him to be working on. And this summer they did. Yeah. This summer they it was because he was here this summer or more at least. He was here a little bit more and it was I, I, I talked to him in uh when I was in Dallas or Atlanta and and he was like, Yeah, it was never that was never part of the plan before, but this this year they crafted my like pre yeah. my or my not my pre my, my just shooting warm ups and he's like that it's what he starts with every single time. It's above the break, sort of like dribble handoff sort of things where he's That sounds more like a little bit of BS then about the previous years because I I thought he was in Senegal this summer and like it's just a, a regime that was willing to make it happen. I don't. I mean, I mean, like maybe it wasn't BS. I'll no, it, okay, it wasn't. Okay, um, it it's someone who's not incentivized to to BS you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and it just I, I think that that's just what happened. There's just he didn't him and Tibbs didn't see eye to eye. There was just a whole lot of like literally disconnect. Like mm-hmm. they disconnected when the season ended. Yep, and. 
Um, it, but yeah, as you said, it totally makes sense. He was like a 50% shooter from 16 feet at the angle. Like Always. He yeah. always made them. <laughs> but it, you bring up the volume. Forty, I think it's 43% of his total shots. That's three. awesome. 43%. That's... That's a, I mean, it's just a really, really high volume. And, yeah. And it's good, and it's it's paying off. Last night, Hassan Whiteside, again, not, you know, Jang missed his first one and because Whiteside was just, like, playing back in the lane. And and then he got it again, and he was up at the top. Of the key. You remember this one? And then he, like, swung it over to Napier, who was, like, yeah. kind of guarded, and then Napier missed it. And I was like, he has to take that. Like, he has to take that every time. And he largely has. But, like, if you want to be impactful and make the – you want to be a stretch big and make them change their defense to you. You have to be willing, you know, to fire it at will and punish, mm-hmm. punish them for not getting out there on you. And while Nas Reed hasn't um, had the effectiveness from three point range, that's what he does is like a clean. Cause, cause he's been playing all year in Iowa where they said, you got any bit of window Green, green light. I still wish he'd shoot him more when he's up with the NBA. Anytime they're, anytime they give you that space, just shoot it. I mean, he's shooting thirty-two percent. It's not like crazy low. Yeah, it's not like he shot that many. What his volume is though? It's like thirteen. Per- it's I know, such I, I a know. good shot. I just, it's hard for me to say that Nas Reed should be shooting more threes. I mean, it the per thirty-six numbers start to look crazy when you're only playing like twelve minutes a game. <laughs> that's true. That's it's that's not that's like that's you. Fair. You do like. I just, it's a yeah. You're right. Watching the game, there's definitely been times where yeah, he could have been more. It's like I, I just think does, he, a good good three point shooter should shoot every wide open three point shot. And if a defender is sagging four feet off of Nas Reed and he's seven feet tall, it's wide open. Yeah, no, that's true. And it, what was different? They actually this team actually scouted Nas Reed, Portland. Mm-hmm. They had Anthony Tolliver on him and mm-hmm. like playing him, they're face guarding him. You yeah, know? and that that will come for for Nas is he if he's making them at a high rate and taking them at a high rate, like teams will you know will adjust to that. But whoever is Whoever is the five in this five out set, if you have the ball at the top of the key, the kind of quarterback of the offense, I mean, that. That's the whole point. That's, yeah, then then the defender comes closer to you, and then that opens up the floor for right. the rest of your teammates to make plays. Right. Um, okay, I wanted to play that Gorgi audio. So this was, he was asked, I think it was by Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press, just about playing, having played with Cat in the past, does he think he can do it in this system? And... You know, would it you know would it be effective? Will it happen? So let's play that audio from Gorgie. You, you played really well late. Do you hope that that leads to a larger role for you even when Carl comes back? Yes, hopefully. You know, like I said, it's a job. So it's not me decide what I want to do. It's up to them. You know, if they want to play me, we got fine. If they don't, that's up to them. It's a job. I sign up for it. You know, whatever. I have a role to play, and I think they're going to give me an assignment to do every night. If my assignment is to play, I'm playing. Even sitting on the bench and watch, I do the same thing. You guys obviously have done that a lot in the past, but how confident are you in this scheme that you and Carl can coexist? I think we played together before, and uh, like I said, it's up to me to decide who's, if I'm going to pair up with him or not. You know, is the face of this franchise. You know, uh, uh, it's, it's not up to me. You know. Whether I'm playing or not, I'm still going to be a good teammate and do the best I can to help this basketball team. Thanks for Thanks appreciate it. You appreciate it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Gorgie is, uh, I mean, he's a pro, but he's straight up too. He's straight up. He's getting some teague in him. He hasn't <laughs> always been that straight up as he has been this this year. He's just <laughs> maybe he, he didn't has. talk as much. Of the yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't playing. <laughs> oh, that's, like, that's just how it works. You go into the locker room and the people. Yeah, that get interviewed are the ones who played a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I was playing a lot, you know. So that's a good, um, that was a good quote, though. It was right. Um, I don't know if other people have seen that in print anywhere else, but he uh, 
Yeah, I mean, good for him. He believes that. And he's like a really prideful dude, as as a lot of NBA players are. And sometimes that pride leads you to like believing you're as good as somebody who's better than you. And to acknowledge that and believe it, and and he does. Mm-hmm. Like that cat's better than him. He's, he's way more talent than him. He, mm-hmm. he says that. That that's smart. And but at the same time, implied in that quote is I don't think it's necessarily a good idea. I don't think that should preclude me from playing with him. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I agree with that. If you I mean I turn on League Pass games all the time and there's plenty of bigs in this NBA playing big minutes who have not been anywhere near as effective of a basketball player as Gorgie Jang has been yeah, this season. Absolutely. Um, so he's kind of, I mean, he, he's in a tough spot of cats going to play 34 minutes a night. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, if they don't play cat at quote unquote stretch four or some, then Gorgie's limited to a maximum of 14 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. And if you start getting Von Lee in on that at all, not to mention Nas Reed, like then there's just not a big piece of the pie left for him. So yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, uh, good for Gorgie playing so well, man. He seems like such a good dude. He deserves it. He's he been a, a lot through, I mean, through a lot, whatever that means when you're a professional basketball player. But like he's, he signed that big contract and he's gotten, you know, heat for it. And, he hasn't played a lot, and like you said, the face of the franchise plays his position, and he's been a good teammate, and he's been a cheerleader, and then when he gets to play, he plays well. Every one of those uh, geeky CBA podcasts that you know talk about the worst contracts in the NBA have been talking about his contract mm-hmm. for multiple years now, and they don't know how to pronounce his name. Jang. Or Dang. Dang. We know how to say it. <laughs> yeah. you, you know how to say it. Gorgie Dang. It's like, no, that's, again, I don't know if you're watching games. You're, you're, well, you're not. If if you don't know how to say the guy's name, I mean, you. Just, it was the you same thing when games. when people, when people would like start having opinions about Nemanja Bjelica, yeah. and they Bjelica. I'm like, just. I mean, there you, are people who like still do that with Bjelica. So I don't get. Are you not listening with the volume on? No, you're not watching. You're reading and you're consuming yeah. others. Bummer. <laughs> this has been the rip on the national media <laughs> podcast. Um, all right, we're, let's before we wrap up, let's again let's talk about that schedule. I just got the the next four up here: Houston, OKC, Indiana, Indiana. Two at home, two on the road. Uh, it's 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 a harder it's a harder stretch in the schedule. It's be a really good time to have you know have Cat back because as it sits right now, they're currently the 11 seed, one and a half games behind San Antonio, and the eight seed, half a game behind Memphis, who's the nine seed. And then technically they're like kind of tied with Portland um, as the the ten seed. Portland's sixteen and twenty three. Wolves are fifteen and twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, who's gonna get that A seed? Ooh, I would put my money on the Blazers. Still, I think I've, I think I've I was at I was at Blazers and Pelicans the last time we talked about this. I'm a, I'm about ready to uh, cross off those pels. Dude, but Zion's coming back. Is he? Yeah. When? I don't. I mean, I've, he's close like cat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's coming back either. I no, mean, like, would it he, shock you if he had a setback and was out for the rest of the year? It would sh- not if he had a setback, but it would shock me if they shut him down. Yeah, I guess like setback. I think all signs this week in quote unquote reporting are that he's, true. Like he was maybe going to play tonight against the Knicks, and then I saw Chris Haynes was like, "It's not going to be this game." Yeah, there's been ruled out for this game. Okay, the so, wording yeah, yeah, yeah. makes it sound like it's imminent for yeah. him. And 
even no Zion, that team's not bad. No, they're so tough. That's why I said about they plenty ready. of inter- injuries outside of him. yeah. But but the Thunder have just surpassed expectations. I mean, they just like have. Well, yeah, to- I'm not even. I'm not. No, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. In. That's I'm counting them in the seven right now. Yes, I my money be on the Blazers, but it wouldn't be a lot of it. Mine would if you, if you're power ranking it. Yeah. Blazers, I think it's Blazers, Spurs, Wolves, Wolves, Pels, Kings. I think in a similar. Yeah, I got. I'm I'm in scratch off Kings and scratch off Suns mode. Yeah, that that's my opinion. I I don't know, man. Port. You say Port. The reason we say Portland and Portland's my pick is because they have more top end talent than the rest of those teams. Mm-hmm. The Wolves have the next most top end talent between Wiggins, Cat. Mm-hmm. And Covington. Mm-hmm. So if we're just lining it up like that, Wiggins, Cat, Covington versus Lillard, CJ, and Mello. I mean, it's not. I, I don't know. Damian Lillard is. Damian Lillard is just like so. Is Kat, so though, it's, man. it's just so nice for your best player to be a point guard, though. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But well. Blazers got a lot of dumb guys. It's got a lot of guys who can't shoot. Yeah. Like it's not, it might, this might be kind of reactive literally to watching the wolves just kick the Blazers ass. But I, I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I wouldn't rip on anyone for saying the, the wolves would be my pick. No, I mean like I really they're wouldn't. a game and a half out. Like this is, this is another reason why you get to like the cat. Should we play cat Gorgie together? I mean, we mentioned it. It's like, you're in this thing, man. I mean, you're like you're 15 and 22, and you're in this thing, and that is weird. And take advantage of it. Think about, think about how many games have been lost on the margins this year. Of like, I mean, obviously, there's like different types of margins. There's the OKC game of like that. I mean, that you know, but that we can rip on the rest. But like lack of sort of execution. Yeah, because it wasn't just limited to the un. Just like shirt. fluky loss. Fluky loss, but even. Then the, I think the more important losses to point to are the loss to the Cavs at home, to have lost to Memphis three times, and and to to have some of those losses have come without with Cat and Wiggins sidelined, and if they were sidelined because they were ninety percent rather than ninety five percent, it's like those sort of margins. Mm-hmm. Like, does it make sense to push in the chips more, you know, to get the eighth seed? No, I mean, it doesn't in, like, the big picture. But, like, that's all it takes. Yeah. That's really all it would take for this team is to be intentional on the margins for the rest of the season. They can be better They can be better than the rest of these teams because these teams all stink. Yeah, it, it sure doesn't seem like they're going to need to – and who knows? All it takes is for one of these teams to go 8-2 and two over the next 10, and saying. then there's separation. Ten and five, you know, like something like, yeah. It's yeah. Because the winning percentage is so low. Yeah. It's, it, would be, it would be, you know, that meaningful. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the Wolves are not as good of a team once they start playing a lot better teams. Yeah. You know, they've looked good here against bad teams. And that's kind of been the whole season. They were good at the beginning of the season against a decently favorable schedule, bad against a good schedule, better against a bad schedule. We'll see. Cat can just be so great that he just busts those margins. Yeah. That you just can't keep up with him. I just want to see him again. Yeah. I think I I have a feeling this will be the last podcast you and I do. Okay. Okay. So you're not going out on a limb for <laughs> So there we got we got Saturday. Well, you and I will do next Thursday. So they got Houston, OKC, and Indiana before that. I would be very surprised if Cat does not play before then. Okay. That's not any sort of reporting. That's no, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
hubbub. I would not be surprised if he didn't play in any of those games. I don't know. I, we we did we did we did plenty of time on that. <laughs> Sorry, we did plenty of time on that. Um, one new thing I wanted to say that I'm I'm going to be doing for 2020 is a uh, a mailbag every week in written form. So if you have uh, if you have any mailbag questions and you want to read my answers to those at Zone Coverage, you can yeah you can tweet those to me DM or email me at dmore at zonecoverage.com and we'll do that. That will come out every Wednesday. So. Fire away those sort of questions. And then, as always, we do appreciate um, having those ratings and, review, ratings and reviews on iTunes. Is, is big for us to whatever in the super algorithm that is iTunes to uh, make us pop up a little bit more. So it does help. Like, I look at podcasts. I go look at the ratings and reviews and see if people like them. I right. Mean, it matters. No, and, and we've got a ton of them yeah. this year. It's just it's awesome. people did them at the beginning of the year. And, you know, it's good to have them. Yeah, you know, totally. Throughout the throughout the middle of it too. So uh, please do that. Send the questions. And that's Charlie at C John's MBA. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Until next week, where we'll have Britt on Monday. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah, green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you dancing like nobody else around. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.